0: You're listening to JSCN, radio for the Jewish Small Communities. This is the third episode recorded at this year's 2019 Manchester Limburg. Jewish Small Communities Network was given its own session in this year's programme of talks and for it I assembled a panel of three experts on the Jewish community of Wales. So join the audience as we experience some of that history through the lives of one particular family... Find out how you can go on a walking tour of the Jewish community that no longer exists in Bangor by using an app on your phone, and hear how one particular project is making sure that the heritage and stories of the Jewish people in Wales are recorded for posterity. I'm Ed Horwich and this is Jewish Talk, the podcast for the Jewish small communities and for anybody interested in Jewish culture and Jewish lives. So today, we're in front of an audience at Le in Manchester. I've got three people in front of me. Claudia Erzen, John Minkus and Nathan Abrams. (laughs) I'm going to go to John first because John, you live in Cardiff, am I right? Yes. And your family has a, quite a, a long history of living in Wales, and you have got an example of a microcosm of, of what's happened to the
1: community in Wales. Yes. Both my parents were from Cardiff, and the first of my relatives to move to South Wales probably went in the early 1880s. And the microcosm that you mentioned refers to my great-grandfather, Moses Jonas Moshe Clompus. Who arrived there in about 1890, and he had 11 children by his two marriages, all of whom were living in South Wales at the beginning of the 20th century.
0: Now, you think that that would mean that you have a whole dynasty? Yes,
1: there is, but they aren't in Wales. By the end of the 20th century in Wales, there was me uh, and one of my second cousins who lives in Cardiff, as I do, but has nothing to do with the Jewish community. Um, all the other... Lines of descent from those 11 siblings and half-siblings have either been very short or have left South Wales and and gone elsewhere. Um, And so the Jewish communities in South Wales have probably declined in about the same proportion from 11 to 1, down to maybe 10% of what it used to be.
0: So when did the Jewish communities in Wales really begin? And how many of
1: them were there? Well, the first synagogue in Wales was in Swansea in about 1740 but the main immigration into South Wales started as with the rest of the United Kingdom in the late 19th century. People came to live in ports where they could trade with other countries um, Jews in South Wales opened shops in the valley towns where the mines were increasing the population so there was quite a lot of business Or, in my great-grandfather's case, he came and worked as a peddler, travelling around the valleys. And did they
0: move from other parts of
1: England, or did they come directly from...
0: where did they come from?
1: From my own family's perspective, both of those. Um, The earliest relatives, the Shepherd Brothers, had originally tried to make a living in London. This was in the late 1870s. Uh, but they both moved out of London because they were trying to make a living teaching Hebrew and there were lots of Hebrew and, teachers.
0: And were they a long-standing uh, English Jewish family or no. had they come from mm-hmm. somewhere They else? had
1: arrived in the mid to late 1870s um, and it seems that when they couldn't make a living in London they looked elsewhere. One of them moved to Plymouth uh, and the other to Astellevera, which is north of Swansea and eventually the Plymouth brother Moved to Swansea as well. And then I think that my great grandfather must have chosen to come to Swansea because one of the Shepherd brothers was married to his sister in law. So he came straight from Lithuania to Swansea.
0: Do we know how many people, how many Jews were in Wales at its height?
1: Uh, The Cardiff community at its height was said to be around 4,000, and that was always the biggest community. So I would guess somewhere between 7 and 10,000 at its height. Uh, Claudia's nodding. Um, So never a huge community, nothing on the scale of London, of course, or Manchester, but a substantial community in Cardiff, um, communities big enough in Swansea and Newport to um, have ministers and cemeteries, and a lot of communities in the valleys which had small synagogues, ministers, maybe part-time but not cemeteries, one or two of them actually had cemeteries as well. So a lot of small communities around the valleys, and a lot of families who lived in places where there wasn't a community as such. Uh, We've had a memoir given to us from uh, a lady who grew up in Blackwood, uh, north of Newport, where she says there were about five Jewish families.
0: And so was the population predominantly in South Wales? or was it throughout the whole of wales
1: uh, i don't think you could say that there were small communities in north wales there's still a synagogue in clandidno i think there was a community in bangor maybe in Colin bay but nathan will know more about those in mid wales if you go about 30 miles north of cardiff um, there was there were no jewish communities there may have been individual jews but I don't think there was ever a synagogue outside that South Wales Valleys area. I a bit further to the west, Swansea, Flanagely definitely had a synagogue. Michael Howard was from Flanagely, Lord Howard. Further west, further north, really no Jewish communities that I know of.
0: And what are the other towns that people will know there was a population from?
1: Uh, there was quite a large community in Ponteprie for many years. Merthyr is well known, the synagogue there although derelict and, and not a synagogue since 1980, is still standing uh, and there's a proposal to turn it into a Jewish heritage centre. we had a synagogue, Port Talbot, Bryn Mawr, which is um, one of the highest mining villages in, in the Welsh Valleys. Uh, there were lots of small synagogues with small communities that persisted into the post-war period that were declining then. And, were gone, I should think, by the end of the 60s, or certainly the 70s.
0: So when would you say the height of the Jewish population was?
1: 1920s, I should think. Uh, Maybe the 50s, but probably the 1920s, before the Depression started to hit the mining industry. I should say that Kai Parry jones of course, has written about this, and his, I think at the moment, is the definitive history of Jewish communities in Wales. That's a plug for his book. It's a very well-written book.
0: So the decline was due to the industry and the depression. What were the businesses and industries that the Jews were involved in?
1: Before they started the glass factory in Wales, my great-great-uncles did various things, one of which was actually as peddlers in the valleys selling glass. They would tramp from valley to valley hoping to find broken windows and sell the glass to replace them. There's an apocryphal tale that they used to send a little boy with stones ahead of them. Um, <laughs> And my great-grandfather was also a peddler, I think, in draper's materials. So there were quite a few of those. Um, My great-aunt and her husband ran a shop selling furniture, bicycles, uh, paint, I think a bit of all sorts, in Pontycumma, in the valleys north of Bridgend. There were, of course, pawnbrokers. My grandfather was one of at least two Jewish pawnbrokers in Cardiff.
0: More sort of suppliers and service industries rather than involved in the mining industry itself.
1: There was one Jewish miner, I think, but on the whole Jews were not involved. Oh, and post-war, of course, there were a number of Jewish businesses on the industrial estates that were set up in Treforest, near Pontypridd and near Bridgend, but particularly Treforest. The Stern family had a paint factory, Pearl Paints. And the Shepherd brothers set up a glass business, which was, became quite a significant business. It had branches in London and in what was then Palestine.
0: Now, was, then, you, you were giving an example of your own family and how that mirrored the history of, of the population, really, and the fact that people left Wales.
1: It's hard to say why the Jewish community started to decline but it's common to all provincial communities. I come. I was brought up in Birmingham and all the smaller communities that used to surround Birmingham have gone. Um, it's partly to do with people going to live in Israel. It's partly to do with people going to live in larger Jewish communities. It's partly to do with young people going away to university and not coming back. But also I think you reach a tipping point with the Jewish community where it ceases to attract Jewish people who are thinking of moving somewhere. There's less resources. There's less resources. Less of an environment. There's no kosher delicatessen, for a start. So there hasn't been a kosher deli in Cardiff since 1992. And young people who move away and go to university, if they don't want a Jewish milieu, that's one thing. But if they do, if they go to somewhere where there's an active Jewish life and they mix with other Jewish young people, Maybe they don't want to come back to Cardiff where they'll be the only Jewish person, single person under 30.
0: Talking of university, Nathan, you're a lecturer at Bangor University in North Wales. What drew you to Bangor? Well, the job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, uh, you're a lecturer in film studies, but that's not all you're interested in. Because I know you do a lot within the Jewish world. Um, yeah, a slight correction. At risk of sounding
2: pompous, professor of film studies. The thing, sorry. I sorry. think Jewish audiences is, is you. You spend four or five years becoming a rabbi, and everyone's like rabbi. You spend 20 years becoming a professor, and no one ever calls you it. <laughs> the way John was describing Cardiff, well, I would dream of uh, what they have in Cardiff, which is two synagogues. <laughs> we have none in Bangor. Um, but what? What the question was? Um, what projects am I involved in? Um, well, I, I supervise Kai's PhD, and. Um, it was because of the grant I got that he was able to do that. And out of that we've been working on developing more public facing activities um, such as walks, maps, an exhibition and now an app so you can guide yourself around Bangor's Jewish history and hopefully we'll do all of North Wales um, and people will be able to walk around North Wales' as Jewish history, much of which isn't extant um, but is still there nonetheless.
0: So. Uh, there isn't really anything to see. That Was there a community? Was there ever a synagogue? Or did they have services in houses? No, well, all of that. I mean, Bangor,
2: Didna, Colwyn Bay and Rill all had um, communities and synagogues. And then we were pockets of Jews in Hollyhead and Um And yeah, they had um, the full range of services one might expect to find in a small community. So synagogue, minister, Hebrew classes, social activities, um, no cemetery in North Wales, interestingly, until fairly recently. There's only one of those synagogues survives. That's in Dibnal, but the community doesn't survive. It's an interesting case because it's the Chabad community of Manchester that owns the synagogue, um, and they use it for um, holiday uh, as a holiday home.
0: And about this time of year, it becomes very populous.
2: Yeah, my understanding is is that any point over the summer, there's minyanim all across North Wales if you want one as not just the Chabad community, but a lot of the youth groups send their kids across North Wales and Anglesey um, on summer camp.
0: I have to say, it's one of the biggest inquiries that we actually get on Jewish Small Communities Network is when can I find a minion in North Wales?
2: Yeah, what's interesting is because um, Jews are a rare sight in North Wales and Haredim um, are easily spotted. Uh, I often get phone calls or text messages Oh, I saw some on the train. Um, so my student said, "Oh, I saw a busload of Haredim going to the swimming pool in Bangor the other night it's 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 quite exotic.
0: so just to roll back you you mentioned that Kai's book was a result of work that you'd been doing in the university. Just tell us a little bit about that because you sort of skimmed over it. yeah
2: well the history is is that um I moved from London to Aberdeen, another small Jewish community, um in two thousand and four. And in 2005, they were celebrating the 60th anniversary of the consecration of their synagogue. And no one had written about it. And um, I thought this would be an interesting academic project to pursue. And I ended up writing a book about the seven small Jewish communities in Scotland outside of Glasgow and Edinburgh. And um, Aberdeen's an interesting um, contrast to someone like Cardiff with what John was saying. I'd call this a revolving door community. There's something to attract enough incomers to make up not not to equate, the community won't grow as such, but it will balance the outgoers with the incomers. And that's not Jewish infrastructure or Jewish resources. It will be um, uh, employment. And the interesting thing about Cardiff is Cardiff might have more employment opportunities, but it might not be the kinds of employments that maybe Jews want to do. Um, whereas in Aberdeen, they've managed to maintain a synagogue there um, because of two universities and the hospital and the and the um, North Sea oil. At one point, there were three Jewish helicopter pilots ferrying oil workers <laughs> across the North Sea. So, Cardiff's is interesting because it's developing it in the cultural industries, but obviously that's not enough to attract young Jews. Anyway, I'm getting off the point. So in 2006, I got my job at Bangor, um, and I didn't want to do all the work myself on North Wales because of a new job. What we did do is we, did, we got £10,000 from the Claude Duffield Foundation to rejuvenate Jewish life in Bangor, unintended, and um, we did an exhibition then and a walk and we did study days and we had, we had quite an active social-cultural life for a while. After that, I then got this money from the Arts Humanities Research Council to fund Kai's PhD. So, um, again, it's a similar case to these communities in Aberdeen. They had existed, but no one had really written about them and Kai pulled it all together. His was the first PhD, I think, to explore all of Wales in significant detail um, and used a lot of oral history and um, and to consider the position of Jews in and from Wales. And uh, uh, there's a community in Welshpool, um, so it's a number of
0: families, and
2: they congregate every year.
0: I think they sort of meet once a month, or at least they were doing.
2: Yeah, I don't know too much. Well, uh, um, North Wales' geography is such that it's um, it's a real hassle to get anywhere between North and South. And that's one of the reasons why there were so many valleys communities, is they might have been geographically very close in terms of a mile or two. But that mile might have been, well, if it was Brim quite a steep walk on a Shabbat. So that's why you had over 20 communities in South Wales. But the interesting about Wales is North Wales has more connections with Liverpool-Manchester yeah. than it does with Cardiff, which is a four hour drive. Um, I'm closer to London
0: than I am to Cardiff. That's
2: one of the problems in kind of creating this sort of pan-Welsh Jewish
0: identity. So let me go back and ask you about the the walks and the app. You already mentioned I've got the app on my phone. What does it do for people?
2: Okay. <laughs> um, if you download an um, Android or Apple um, Walking Jewish History, it's a self-guided tour of Bangor's Jewish history. It's geolocation, so you walk around... It will tell you a little bit of history, where you are, what what happened there. And we have before and after photos. So you just slide your finger and you'll see what it looks like today and what it looked like then. And we've added extra information where we found it, newspaper details. So an example of an industry that attracted Jews, probably the height of the Jewish population in North Wales was during World War II when there were a lot of evacuees from London and Liverpool. The BBC moved up to Bangor during World War II. No doubt, included some Jews, um, um, people from Liverpool. Leonard Rossiter, not Jewish, but famous, moved to Bangor during World War II. Um, and part of that emigration um, were three different diamond cutting firms in Bangor.
0: So, Hatton Garden of Bangor? Uh,
2: yeah, but these were more for, um, they were considered essential for wartime industry. So, not, 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 not that kind of. <laughs> Whatever, I'm no expert. Monikam Dan is one of the most famous ones. So there were three different diamond cutters. And interestingly, one of the descendants of one of the families who moved, Carol Leck, is an artist and he just celebrated his 90th birthday. And if you do get across to North Wales, at the Royal Cambrian Academy in Conway, there's a lovely exhibition of his work. He's still resident in North Wales. Now, anyway, so you can download that app. The idea is that as we get more information, and a bit more money, we can add to it and include other communities. We gave it a suitably generic title walking Jewish history, that there's no reason why it's confined to Wales or even North Wales. So if another community said, oh, can we put our material in your app? There's no reason why that couldn't happen.
0: So there are various projects which are trying to create Jewish trails around the country. So the idea would be to link those into it or something similar. Every time you create an app, you've got to pay
2: a big startup fee for each time you create an app. But if you have a pre-existing one, you don't have to pay all those things. So ideally, um, and as a segue to Claudia's project, is we will link up and have a Pan Wales Walking Jewish History app if they want to join us. And we could include Liverpool and Manchester and, and, and you know, there's no, no reason why we couldn't do this for everywhere. The other thing we've done is there's, we also have an exhibition that we'll bring to Cardiff in November.
0: And is that going to go anywhere else apart from
2: Cardiff? Or is... We would be happy to go anywhere anyone wants us. As a
0: suitable segue, intro, into Claudia, who has been working with the Jewish History Association of South Wales.
3: came into existence in 2018, and the whole aim of existing is to identify, collect, preserve, and share Jewish heritage in South Wales. We have been doing that in a number of ways, primarily by collecting oral histories, tangible material, records of any sort, from photographs, minute books, marriage certificates, naturalisation papers, also objects. We have a lovely Torah Wimple from Cardiff Reform Synagogue, which is just incredible, and we digitise all the material, uh, we catalogue it, we work with archives and museums in South Wales, and then we try to share this. As much as possible online on People's Collection Wales website. We just started a touring exhibition across South Wales for 14 weeks. We have designed 23 talks and are still delivering them. They will end in September. Um, So we we are trying to bring as much of resources together as possible.
0: So um, what did you call it?
1: Toral Wimple? What is a Torah wimple?
0: Uh, it's not a term that I'm familiar with. The no, it no, it's no. the binder, binder that
1: goes... Right. It's the first thing that goes on. When I the, stroll, the belt. The, the belt that holds the two... Holds empty well, the well, yeah. well,
0: I, I get asked to put that on all the time and I never knew that was all it was.
1: <laughs> binder was what we called it, but cl- <laughs> wimple is obviously the technical <laughs> term.
0: Yeah. What are the other exciting things that, that you now preserved, archived, or the stories that you've heard?
3: There were so many. (laughs) Well, some of the people are still in Wales. Many of them have moved to bigger cities, bigger communities for all the reasons that have already been enumerated. So we went to um, Bournemouth and London. Uh, When we couldn't go in person, we collected a written story that was a case in Leeds. The most interesting thing was just witnessing people sharing without any reserve sharing their life, their stories, life of their families, their memories. They didn't have any problems talking to us. We were strangers to them. Despite having got in touch a week or so before, they didn't know us. And yet they trusted us completely and they shared um their most intimate stories and memories and sometimes it was sad people were crying Uh, we laughed together they shared anecdotes Um, they heard from their parents because these memories they are not only personal experiences often they were received memories so stories they received from their grandparents and parents one of those being uh, for example in Brynmauer a person now living in London his ancestors are from from Bremen, and he spoke to us about what he calls Haida boys' revolt, um, when one of the Haida teachers spanked one of the boys, and in return all the boys revolted and uh, refused to attend the classes. So they would still go regularly at the time. They didn't tell their parents, and for quite a long while the parents didn't find out the boys were not actually attending the Haida classes. It was just accidentally when one of the parents went to see the teacher that they found out and all the boys wanted was for the teacher to uh, apologize and the teacher didn't want to do that. And I'm not from Jewish background so it is very very interesting to hear personal experience of a person growing up in Jewish environment and how it was like in Cardiff in 1950s and 1960s or in a small valley community
0: and what are the sort of audiences that, that you've got for the talks and the exhibitions? Where does it go? Who, who comes?
3: Uh, it's very varied. We have local history societies who ask us to come in and give a talk. So that's more focused audience. But then we also have a completely general audience, and that specifically uh, happens when we have our exhibition, because with each exhibition we also have a talk and it's open to everyone. They probably come because they are just interested in finding out more. And that is the aim of the project. In South Wales, what I heard again and again was, people, Jewish people in South Wales, they are not visibly Jewish. It's not like in London, um, when people are visibly Jewish, make no mistake about them being Jewish. That doesn't happen in South Wales. Many people, go through their lives without ever meeting, knowingly meeting, a Jewish person. So they are interested in this minority group that has been living in Wales for the last 250 years, but not knowing a lot about them. And they are interested in their ways of life, in their uh, tradition, in their history, heritage, contribution to wider Welsh society, uh, to arts and culture, economy. And that's probably the the general appeal of what we are bringing.
0: So the general public probably lost the knowledge that there was a significant Jewish population in Wales. Do you think the Jewish population have an understanding of their history in Wales, those who don't come from Wales in the first place? Have you had any feedback on that?
3: I don't think they appreciate the extent of Jewish communities in Wales. They do know they are there, but please... Do correct me, Nathan and John, if, if you know better. I think they know Jews settled in Wales, but I don't think they appreciate the extent and contribution and everything that has happened, and also the very steep decline and uh, horrific decline that we are witnessing today.
1: Guys, would you like to add anything to that? I was just going to tell you about the the wife of one of the shepherds brothers who died on a visit to Israel, to Palestine in the 1920s, and her gravestone in, I think it's Haifa, refers to her as coming from Cardiff, England. So no, not everybody knows that there are communities in Wales.
2: I, I would add that um, it's not just, yeah, it's a general ignorance across the UK. Walksgiz started off on Bangor High Street, moved to Chantidna and is now in um, Uh, It's Grafton Street after being in Bond Street, and it's an international firm. They made the ring for the um, Royal Wedding, Um, not this one, the one before, um, because of the Welsh connections. And so what you have from humble beginnings of peddling across the Menai Bridge from Bangor to Glandinor, you have a major London firm, and it is called Walski's of Glandinor, but most people won't think of the trajectory, Mm. where it came from, they'll think of where it is London because as London sucks up and swallows everything, including the last remnants of the Jewish communities elsewhere, they forget there's life outside of London
0: uh, and life outside of Manchester. (laughs) That's a very profound thought, (laughs) Nathan. I'm just gonna go back to Claudia, just to ask you where your project, where that project's going and where you hope it'll go.
3: Well, the current funding is ending in September, so what we do hope is to move forward we are in, not in a unique position where heritage is disappearing. There are a number of Jewish communities across UK who would be interested in preserving their heritage. So we would like to create a heritage tool or resource that we could share with them through your website and your Connections Ed, uh, We would like to do Jewish Heritage Trail first in Cardiff, a digital trail, and would be working with Nathan and using his app and then obviously adding new locations as we go. Uh, The other element we wish to do is looking into Cardiff Reform Synagogue's memorial tablet which has names of 202 people who died in Holocaust and their relatives of Cardiff Reform Synagogue members. And we also wish to work with local museums across South Wales to identify the material they have and Jewish material and help and improve the interpretations and digitise and make that material more widely available. So there are a number of things we would like to do and hopefully we will be successful in gaining another, another grant.
0: Claudia, John, Nathan, thanks for joining me and telling me all about the Jews' of Wales today. Thank you. Thank, you. Thank you And if you're interested in finding out more about Kai perry Jones's book The Jews of Wales, we'll have a link to that on our website just go to Jewish Small Communities Network, that's jscn.org.uk If you want to download the app that Nathan mentioned uh, that is the Walking Jewish History app And you'll find that on both Apple and Android stores. It's a free download, Walking Jewish History. And we'll have a link to to Claudio Ayersen's project, the Jewish History Association of South Wales. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this or any of our podcasts, please do give them five stars wherever you download it. And if you can leave a nice comment or a positive review, that really helps people find us. Till next time, I'm Ed Horwich and this is Jewish Talk, the podcast for the Jewish small communities.